Take your Bibles to chapter Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. Uh, I hope you open your mind. I hope you're not closing your heart on anything you hear because uh, God wants to talk to you. It's the nature of God. A.W. Tozer said it's the nature of God to speak. He wants, to, he wants to communicate to you. He has made everything you see and experience to try to communicate to you. The red bird's not red just because it happened to be red. He made the red bird red because he wanted you to admire the beauty of the red bird and remember who made it. He didn't make the, the uh, male pheasant so magnificently beautiful just for nothing. He made it beautiful so when you see the male pheasant, you go, wow, there's a God that's got a great sense of uh, design. That, great, that beautiful sunsets we have, he didn't do that just, he did that so that you'll remember that there's a God who made those sunsets. The rainbow was set in the sky, double rainbow the other day. He did that so you'll recognize there's a God. All that you experience, everything around us is screaming, screaming, I'm here. I want to be your father, and you are my child so let me talk to you a little bit about what he says here. These are Jesus' words for the most part. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. The title of this is, God justifies the ungodly, not the self-righteous or the self-sufficient. God justifies the ungodly, not the self-sufficient or self-righteous. That's an interesting statement. Uh, there's two groups of people in this passage, which is a parable. He says it's a parable. Which group? are you in this morning? Let's read it first of all, 9 through 14. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, this is a short list, by the way. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, which he looked at evidently referred to, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And astoundingly, verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, that's the one who beat his chest, rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Well, let me do a little background for you on the Pharisees and the publicans. First of all, who are the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees as a group believed in the obedience, absolute obedience to what they call the unwritten law or traditions 
uh, they emphasize the external practice of, of religion more than the internal practice of what the law demanded. They were Jesus' worst critics. John the Baptist harshly condemned the Pharisees and would not so much as baptize them when they came to be baptized. He said, you bring forth fruits of repentance, because he understood who they were. Uh, these Pharisees accused Jesus of, of being a, a demon, having demonic practices, being part of what they called Beelzebub, Matthew 9, 34. These Pharisees plotted Jesus' death. Matthew 12, 14. They plotted how they might trap Jesus in his words. Didn't work out. Matthew chapter 22, 14 or 15. They were condemned, this group of Pharisees as a whole, by Jesus in the strongest words, the most scathing sermon in all the Bible, Matthew chapter 23. If you haven't read Matthew chapter 23, wow. You've never heard any sermon in any church you've ever gone to that would offend you like Matthew chapter 23 would offend you if you'd be a Pharisee. Woo! Mama, is he tough? They persecuted Jesus' disciples. After the death and resurrection of Christ, they went ahead and persecuted those who followed him. Now, who were the publicans? Because these are the two opposite groups that Jesus is using in this parable. They were responsible for collecting Rome's taxes. Some of these publicans were Jews collecting taxes for the Romans. Now, let me give you a little a narrative right out of right out of history here of the kind of taxes they collected. I'll read it. There was a purchase tax on all that was bought and sold. There was bridge money to be paid when a bridge was crossed. Road money to be paid when main roads were used, toll roads. Harbor dues to be paid when a harbor was entered. Market money to be paid when a market was used. Town dues to be paid when the traveler entered a walled town. If a man was traveling on a road, he might have to pay a tax for the using the road, a tax for his cart, on how many wheels he had. Nothing new under the sun, is there? How many axles he had. And he may be taxed on the beast which drew the cart. There was a tax for crossing rivers, on ships, on the use of harbor, on dams. There were certain licenses which had to be paid for engaging in certain trades. Does that sound deja vu a little bit? They were considered, these, these Jews who were publicans were considered traitors to their country. The, the religious establishment, the Pharisees especially, considered them unclean ceremonially because of their contact with the heathen. They were not allowed to come into the temple. They were considered to be literally murderers and highwaymen. The lowest form of occupation in that time was a publican. Now let me give you a surprising fact. Matthew the writer of the book of Matthew was a publican. Zacchaeus, you come down, for we're going to your house today. He was a publican. He wasn't just a publican. He was a chief publican of Jericho. 
So we have Matthew who wrote the book of Matthew. Fabulous man. Oh, wow. Fabulous book. That God called him as one of his 12 disciples, which their name is going to be written on the New Jerusalem, by the way. Wow. You could not come up with a parable of the two more opposite groups than Jesus came up with in this passage. I know that Jesus was not judging according to outward appearance. Jesus judged righteous judgments according to the heart. So let's just go back to the passage, and let me just do a little explanation of some of the things that we read there. First of all, read verse 10 about they, these two men were going to the temple to pray. Now, that's good, right? Who could be against prayer? Who, who could say, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that Jesus reserves some of his harshest condemnation to praying people. To praying people. Those who have some form of recognition that there is a God and are trying some way to appease God. Now, the liberal says there's many roads to heaven, and if you just have a good attitude and you're trying to see God. In fact, when, uh, Oprah Winfrey just said that last week. No matter what road is you go to God, as long as you're sincere about it, you'll find him because that's God's a God of love. Do you believe that? Or do you believe the Bible? you believe God, what he says about himself and heaven and all that? Or do you believe the general word on the street? Um, praying, this is, this is it, praying of itself is a offensive to God if it's not done the right way in his name and through his son. The prayer of the wicked is an abomination to God. So we have the national day of prayer, and everybody goes, ooh, a wonderful thing. It's not a wonderful thing. It's not a wonderful thing to honor somebody that's praying to a God that they've created in their own image and created in their own mind and is a fictitious God, not real God, and he thinks somehow he's going to be justified when he sees the real God because everybody's going to stand before the real God of all that is, and they have made up their own way. It's not going to be a good day for them. Think about it this way. The Father gave his only begotten son. He allows his only begotten son to go through what he went through to eventually be crucified and become sin for us. The father accepts his sacrifice, his life, his death, and his shed blood on the cross as, as absolute forgiveness for all the sins ever committed if people would believe. He resurrects his son, and Jesus resurrects himself as a seal that of all the people out there that say, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. There's lots of voices. Jesus is the only one that was resurrected, and only one ever claimed resurrection. So the father of all those voices out there, to help you not be confused, has sealed his son as the Messiah. The one predicted that in Genesis 3.15 that would, would crush the serpent's head is Jesus Christ. 
The one coming in glory with the holy angels is Jesus Christ. The one going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives and split it and create a thousand years of utopia here on the earth and call the millennium period and rule and reign from a, a city called the New Jerusalem is Jesus Christ. The one that's going to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead, and all the people that ever lived is going to be the judge of them is Jesus Christ. You may want to be benevolent to Muhammad and benevolent to a Buddha and benevolent to Confucius and benevolent to who knows who, but those people were liars, and to be benevolent to them is an insult to the Father who gave His Son and to the Son who gave Himself. Does that make sense to you? When people change the plan of salvation, God's plan of salvation. And they try to come to God their way. Be, why? Because mo many times they just don't like God's way. I don't know how it went for you when you were being raised, but when I didn't like my dad's way of doing things, it didn't go well for me. I was under his authority. And, and, the, and Father gave His only begotten Son a gift bigger than we could imagine. Imagine the insult in people just out of their imagination making a, a Star Wars God, the Force. You know? Well, after they did that first Star Wars movie, people were encouraging uh, Lucas and them to make a new religion, literally. Make a new religion. The force. The good influence, the bad influence, and kind of whoever you give in to, that's kind of who you become. And it, oh, yeah. Problem is, it's, it's just a main, a vain, the Bible calls it vain imagination of man. People do not go God's way because they have glitches in it. There's just certain things I don't like about it. I don't like to talk about sin. Well, you better talk about sin. Well, I don't like to hear uh, about hell. Well, you better, it'd be better to hear about it now and, and miss it than to be there. Just because something makes you feel uncomfortable shouldn't necessarily be avoided. How about exercise? Bottom line is, the Pharisee rejected God's way of doing things. As religious as he appeared, as righteous as he appeared, he rejected God's way of doing things. Let's look at him. The Pharisee stood and prayed with us with himself, God, I thank thee. Now, I love that whole deal there. That's politically correct. You're coming to your authority and you're starting off thanking him. That's usually pretty good, right? Thank you. I'm not as other men are. Thank God I'm not like Bob. I got hair, he don't. And he lists these sins, and then it's not enough for him to list the sins. There's some, he just lists a short list. He goes over to, like that guy over there, that public, thank God I'm not like him. And he goes on, I fast twice a week. I give tithes. This is a couched, proudful, if that's a word, humble, 
And I got to put this word in there. Fake prayer. Fake news, fake prayer. Fake prayer. That's what it is. He compares himself to other men. By the way, that's a big, big mistake. Boy, I hear this all the time going door to door or talking to people about Jesus. They'll oftentimes think, well, uh, I say, do you believe you're a sinner? Because the Bible says if you don't believe you're a sinner, how can you be saved? If you're not lost, you don't need to be found. If you're not in trouble, you don't need a Savior. The fact is that Jesus came, he died, and he went through what he did means you're in deep, deep trouble with God, and you need, you need an intercessor. You need somebody, a daysman. You need somebody to stand in between you and the Father. You need somebody to take your sins away, to have them just, to be justified, to be forgiven of your sins before you meet the Father, before you meet Jesus. And that was the blood of Jesus Christ. God's Son cleanses us from all sin. Repentance and faith in Christ. Trust in Him. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Boy, that rubs people the wrong way. They want to somehow do better, be better, say better, give more. Just like this guy said. I'm better than all them people I just mentioned and that publican over there. They want to, they want to be better than other. When you start comparing yourself with other people, you're just on the wrong road. Have you ever sat in church and heard the preacher? I, I love husband-wife combinations here. The, husband, the, 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 the preacher will say something that the wife maybe is not doing right, and it catches the husband. He'll, oh, God forbid, the woman would go, Husbands, you ought to love your wives. Husbands, you ought to compliment your women. Husbands, you ought to clean the house once in a while. What's going on right now? You never sit in church and, and hear a preacher preach and think, boy, Tom Gillespie could really use that. That's exactly what this guy did. Don't be thinking of who can use this sermon. Be thinking of how you can use this sermon. Be, here, be thinking about how it affects you. Well, I know, I know that guy across the way, he really needed that, boy. I've had people go out and shake my hand and say, boy, those folks really needed that. I'm thinking, I guess what? That's what the Pharisee said. Well, don't compare yourself with other folks. You know why? Because in the end of it all, you're not going to be compared with anybody but God. Oh, let me just raise the stakes on this a little bit for you gamblers. Matthew 5, 48 says, Be ye therefore, Jesus' word, Jesus' words, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard for going to heaven. Now, who in this room is going to be perfect? That means not one flaw, not one sin. How many of you are going to heaven after, after those are Jesus' words, by the way, Matthew 5, 48. Nobody. How about this? James chapter 2, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, that's 613 specific commandments, 10 commandments summarize the 613, and two commandments summarize the 10. You have your vertical responsibility to God, the first of the four, ten, first four of the 10 commandments. Then you have your horizontal responsibility man to man. That's commandment 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 
And, and the two summarize it, the love of the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. That's the, that represents the Godward responsibility we have. And, and the love of your neighbor is yourself. That represents all that horizontal. So you not only have a responsibility horizontally to man, you have a responsibility vertically to God. That's a lot of responsibility. How you doing? Well, the Bible says all have sinned come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's what it says. And so, James in 2.10 says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point. I've kept 612 commandments. But that 613 commandment I didn't keep, the Bible says is guilty of all. Now, now, do you get the impact of what, that, what he says right there? Guilty of the other 612. Why? How many times do you have to lie to be a liar? How many times do you have to hate to be a murderer? How many times do you have to lust on a woman, man, to commit adultery? Yeah. How many times do you have to steal to be a thief? Steal a nail, go to jail, they say. And they have signs on construction sites. So it's still a philosophy of today, steal a nail, go to jail. Basically, when you steal that nail, you, become a, you join a family of thieves. When you lie, you join a family of liars. When, when, you, when you offend the law, let me say this, there is nobody going to stand before God justified in and of themselves. You're going to be condemned by your own words. Jesus said in chapter 12, Matthew, by your words a man should be justified, and by, a words, by, by your words a man should be condemned. You may not even remember them all, but God's keeping track of every one of them. Jesus said, every idle word that a man speaks will give an account of in that day. That should let the hair stand up in the back of your neck. Every idle word. You know where I'm about ready to go, don't you? Man, what kind of condition is my condition in? Are you 60s people? I'm a sinner in multiple areas, multiple times. I am a repeat, Brother Ludwig, I'm a repeat offender. I'm a three-time loser. I'm condemned. Not by other people pointing a finger at me. I'm condemned by my own actions, by my own words, by my own thoughts. I am a sinner of the grossest kind. Not better than Jeff Larson. Jeff was not an awful little bit. I had to... I'm not better than anybody. I need to be saved. I need the mercy of God. I need intervention. Ooh, that's a, that's a deal, intervention. And Jesus Christ intervened for me. The, the Pharisee gets out in the temple of God and he says, Hey, God, I fast. Hey, God. I tithe. Hey, God, 
My sins are different than that old publican over there. I don't think that helped him. Because we see in verse 13, the publican standing afar off. He comes in, a whole different world. He don't even come close. He don't even feel he can come close. He stays out in the edges. And he wouldn't lift his eyes so much as to heaven. And he, and he smote upon his breast. And man, these are the words you want to get. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. This man's hated by all the people around him, but humble and broken before God. He's hated by his peers, by his nation, called a traitor, a murderer, a highwayman, uh, uh, spit upon, despised in every way he can be, but he's honest with God. He's hated by all, but admitting his helplessness, hopelessness, and haplessness. He's the worst of the worst, yet meeting God's conditions of forgiveness and justification. He's the worst of the worst, yet going home clean. He went home justified because he was honestly repentant. That means you agree with you. You, you're sorry you sinned against God. That's what the beating of the chest was. That's what the not looking up to heaven was about. He was grieved in his heart about the sins that he had committed. He knew he had done wrong to God. This qualifies you for salvation. When you admit you've done wrong to God and you sinned against him, David said it this way in Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Well, David, you did this sin in front of the sight of all Israel, in front of all your servants, upon the people who knew you, with the adultery of Bathsheba he's talking about. Yes, you did, but he said, really, the sin is against God. All your sin goes one way. It goes vertically, really. The issue is your attitude towards that sin. So I ask the question, which person are you this morning? I don't doubt in a group this big that there are some people in this room that have not come to the realization of your precarious position as a sinner before a holy God. There's two groups of people at the end of the age. There's a group of people who allow Jesus to be their Savior and Honestly, in repentance and faith, trusted in Christ, his blood, his sacrifice, his price paid for sin. And God says they, want, they go to their house, justify. Not by works of righteousness, but by grace through faith. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. There's that other group who will stand before Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. You can find us in Revelation chapter 20. And they're going to answer for their own thoughts, sins, actions, self-justification, self-righteousness, false belief systems, creating their own God. And the Bible says those people will be cast in the lake of fire. 
which is the second death, and have to pay for their own sin in a place called hell, the lake of fire. Now, which group are you in? Because you're in one of two groups. You can try to make many roads to heaven. You can try to invent things. You can try to, but it doesn't make any difference what you think. People said it this way. The old time preachers used to say, you don't believe in hell doesn't change its temperature one degree Fahrenheit. You can come, you know, there's people out there that are so idiotic. They say that there is no such thing as reality. I've heard philosophers get, they, they're so smart, they're dumb. There's no, there's no real reality. We're living in some kind of na 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 I got you. na 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 Where'd that come from? You golfers. They live some kind of a phased out, they get their words off of Star Trek, Star Wars. They come up with words like, uh, Dilithium crystals. There's no such thing as dilithium crystals. I'm sorry to tell you Star, Star Trek people that. There's no such thing as dilithium crystals. There's no such thing as spaceships going around the universe and contacting people and having a camera follow you the whole around. It's not real. It's not real. The harsh reality is someday you're going to stand before God one way or another. Every person that's ever taken a breath is going to stand for Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to tell, tell you the truth this morning. Do you have this Pharisee's thoughts go through your mind while you're in church? God, I thank you I'm not like other men. I thank you I'm a little bit more righteous and this so-and-so and so-and-so. I thank you that I, you know, give a little bit, give a little bit more or do a little bit more. Or, or do you have publican thoughts go through your mind? Let's read the last verse there. You got it, 18, 14 of Luke. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every, I mean, here's why, here's why. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And everyone that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Two groups. Will you humble yourself before God? Or will you copitude? And say, hey, for me, I ain't going to. Well, you will one day wish you hadn't said those things. And my, oh my, God loves you so much that he let you live, and he's letting you live, and he's letting you hear this message and other messages, the Lord willing, if you live long enough to in the future. And he's going he's gonna to come by you with gospel tracts. He's going to come by you with billboards. Uh, I like if you drive through North Carolina, you're going to at least see repent or perish. I mean, uh, uh, he's going he's gonna to help you in every way he can. He's going to let the songbirds sing to you in the morning. He's going to give you flowers to look at. He's going to give you a sunset to look at. Uh, he's going to give you floating mountains to look at. He's going to let you hear the lightning storm and hear the thunderstorm and be entertained by, by all of these things around you. He's going to let you see the ocean, possibly. He's going to let you just enjoy the, the, the beauty of, of what he made for you. And the whole time he's saying, come to me. Come to me. I love you. I'm here for you. I sent my son to die on the cross to pay for your sins. And I'm talking about all the way from Adam to the last man. Pay for the sins of mankind by the shedding of his blood on the cross. You say, Brother Bill, I don't believe it. All I can tell you is what Yoda said so many years ago. 
which never existed, but I thought I'd just mention that. You will. You will. Our Heavenly Father, help us today to digest the truth of the Bible. I pray that the words spoken by Jesus so long ago, almost 2,000 years ago now, would resonate in the minds and the hearts because the Holy Spirit's here. You're here. The Bible says, two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. We know that to be so. God's presence is here. His manifest presence is here. If you come today as a visitor and you feel uncomfortable, that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. Cherish it. Because that discomfort will help you find Jesus. Father, we just pray that you would come to these folks, explain it better than I could, wipe away any non-necessary offense that I may have said or done to these folks. I pray that the necessary stuff may stick. I pray, Father, that you just help someone here today say yes to Jesus Christ. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. You can believe just the simple words of that verse. Can you believe for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life? Will you believe? Father, explain it. As Christians, forgive us where we've somehow in the chambers of our imagery we have said, I'm glad I'm not as bad as that person. I'm glad I give and do this and do that in some way justifying ourselves. God have mercy upon us. Help us to say what you said. At my very best, I'm an unprofitable servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.